Well, good morning, church. Good to see all of you. Uh, you know, you won't hear this from me very often, but it's good to see an empty room today. That means many of you are getting on vacation and you're getting rest. And so uh, that's always an important part of uh, God's plan, right? That we get rest and we get some time to refresh. So uh, I know many of you are traveling. I like seeing all the pics and vacation pics. And uh, some of you are getting tanner. That's a good thing. Or redder or whatever your, whatever your, your portfolio would be. But um, hey, thank you for letting Jen and I get away. If you're new with us, uh, I'm John. I'm the lead pastor here. I haven't been here in a couple of weeks. So maybe you've been seeing different faces every week. And so I just want to say welcome. And we're glad you're here. Uh, kind of, I'll give you some expectation, kind of what's coming up. But uh, let us know that you're here. If you'll fill out that communicator card that's sitting, that's in the rack right in front of you there. Uh, so whether you're new or you're a member, if there's anything you need to communicate, how we can serve you better, if there's anything we can do for you, if we can pray for you, uh, as well as anything God's doing to answer your prayers, let us know that too. And you can drop those in the tithe and offering containers uh, as you exit. There are blue boxes by every door as you, as you walk out. And please make tithe and offering, make that part of your worship as well, right? That's all piece of worshiping God. So we're so grateful to bring our first tenth, our tithe back, as well as uh, offerings and whatever God's putting on your heart to give uh, for his kingdom purpose. So you can do that as part of your worship time today as well. So whether you do that track or online, it doesn't matter. The method's not important. It's all about the heart. So uh, do that with us together as we worship together. So uh, I wanted to give you some family announcements. And so if you're new with us, don't worry, you can jump right on, but just kind of give you an update. I know I've been out for a couple weeks and uh, just want to kind of give you an update of, of some things that's coming up. But uh, first and foremost, let me just say Andrew Mack and Pastor Manny did a phenomenal job as well as... Um, as well as many of them leading worship. And so uh, we just have the best team in the world. I'm, you know, I'm partial, of course, but, but I love that we have so much depth here. And, you know, and as far as people in their relationship with God and maturing, I, I could honestly ask so many people to speak because uh, God's really gifted our, our church and, and many of our elders and staff and team. And so it's always good to, to be in that place. So, uh, so thank you for them. I got to listen in on both of the messages and I thought they did a phenomenal job. And so, uh, you know, I, I always love Andrew's always giving you nuggets on how to study the word, right? So I always love, you know, look at the verbs. That's awesome. I love that. I'll, I'll always remember that. Look at the verb. What's, what's God say? Look at the verb. That's great. And then Manny, you know, I'm learning new, new things about Manny as too, as he was sharing. 30 years, that's awesome. Uh, I didn't even know that the day we started this church and founded this church was the day he came, or the year he came to the Lord as well. I think that's so awesome. It's pretty cool. So we're always learning a new thing. So I love bringing in different people. So uh, let me just tell you, I have a surgery on Wednesday, nothing major. It's a hernia surgery. So I'm going to Wednesday to get that taken care of and I'll be down for the count for a couple weeks. So thank you for those of you that have been praying for me and will be praying for me and supporting me as I'm out. Uh, but you'll have two more speakers coming next week that I'm really excited about. In fact, you'll want to bring some friends. You'll want to bring some people out because they're some of the best people on the planet. So uh, I will let you know so you can get ready and geared up, but uh, come ready to receive. It's going to be a great couple weeks. Um, so next week, uh, Pastor Todd, who's leading worship up here, so Todd Wave, his wife Michelle is sharing next week. And so you'll want to hear Michelle. She's got a great message and word for you, and God's putting some things on her to give to you. Uh, and then the, the week after that, uh, the person I adore the most and really is God's voice for me many times is going to be speaking, and that's my wife. So Jennifer is going to be speaking on the 11th. And so between Michelle and Jennifer, I may not have a job by the time I get back. So it'll be good. No, I, I'm just grateful. It'll be good. So we're thankful to have them share as well. Um, also, uh, yesterday, Jen and I, uh, our anniversary was yesterday. So we, 22 years we've been married. And so it's been an amazing season. So there you go. 
22 years ago, right here on this stage, we got married. So uh, we've been at Westridge a long time, but uh, that was uh, an amazing moment. So, of course, Westridge looked a lot different, and so did, so did we. And so, you know, what do you gift to your spouse after 22 years of marriage? Well, I've been joking with you that I've been having issues and different things. So, so she thought it was funny to buy me some, uh, some reading glasses. So there you go. Uh, so I can read and read the scripture and read the Bible, but... I'm still dealing with my pride. I'm not ready for those yet. So I'll put those right back in there. So. But she thought that was great. All right. Well, tw- I'm looking forward. And then we got married in 1999, which was Y2K. You guys remember Y2K? Some of you young people are like, well, I don't know what 2K is either. But the world was going to end at Y2K. I mean, it was all over. It was, it was an amazing time. So we figured we might as well get married before it all goes to puts. Uh, so here we are 22 years later, right? So 22 more to come and more than that, I'm sure. So uh, it was just an amazing day yesterday. So we got to spend some time together. Um, all right, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. We've been in a series called Moments. And uh, we've been sharing about, all, we all have different moments, but we've been sharing about the prodigal son and how he, he had some moments. Moments where he ran away from God, moments where he made some wrong choices, some bad choices. And all along, the father loved him as a son, but allowed him to, to walk away, allowed him to find his own way. Uh, and so we talked about those moments, but he also had moments where he came back to his father. We know parables. If you're, if you're new to the Bible, parables are everyday stories that we can understand, but they have a, a spiritual meaning. So we know that the father in this parable is representative of God. And so here, this prodigal son has come back to his father, or he's come back to God. And that was an important moment too. Look, we have uh, many of you, maybe you've had that situation in your life where maybe you really hit a hard spot. And, uh, you know, God's desire is not that you walk away from him and have these hard moments in life. Uh, but even if that's the case for you and that's the point, hey, we're glad you're here. Whether you're online or you're in the room, we're so glad that you're choosing to worship God and to hear his word. That's why we come every week, right? We come to encourage one another, bless one another. But ultimately, we come to hear the word of the Lord. We come to hear what God is speaking to us. And so this was a moment that the prodigal had as well. Uh, and I pray that for you you as well today. So that's what this series is all about, is these moments that we're looking for God, we're looking to God, we're allowing the Lord to speak to us. And so today's message, uh, we've been talking about uh, these gifts that the father gave his son. So when the son returned home after a long time away, we don't know how long he was away, but even one day, if you have a child, even one day away from you is a long time. So whatever that amount of time was, he came back and the father blessed him with some gifts. And those three gifts, this whole series, we've been unpacking them. Manny did a phenomenal job talking about the robe of righteousness, how he gave him a robe. And that robe represented that righteousness, that, that cleansing, that love, and that acceptance of the Father. Uh, the first week we talked about the ring and how that ring represented authority. And we, we went through the scriptures showing you how these signet rings or these family rings really represented that authority that you have, that you're part of God's family and that authority. Uh, and then Andrew shared a phenomenal message about, you know, the older brother. I think we all have, many of us have an older brother complex sometimes, right? Where we, out of pride and arrogance, sometimes jealousy, you know, we say things that we shouldn't. uh, But God was so good in both of those moments to the lost prodigal, but also to the older son to to really bring his heart and correction and really help them understand in both scenarios. So uh, today we're going to talk about the shoes. So he gave a ring, he gave a robe. And he gave shoes. Now, let me just tell you, these gifts weren't insignificant. They weren't like, hey, servants, go find what I got in my closet. We'll give that to him. Uh, They really meant something. In the scriptures, all three of these things are very important. Uh, You know, I never realized how much uh, shoes uh, were uh, relative to our rights as human beings. 
you know, today we do it a little bit different. So uh, I don't think you'd give your shoe to somebody today. Say, hey, you know, I want to buy your house. And so here's my shoe as a, as a promise that I'm going to buy your house. You know, we, we, you wouldn't want that, would you? You wouldn't want my shoe. I'll tell you that right now. But, uh, but in the Old Testament, that's what they would do. That was how you transferred your rights. It's how you would lay down your rights. Uh, so many times uh, they, they would exchange a shoe for uh, maybe it was a piece of property or uh, it was, um, you know, or even a marriage sometimes. Uh, if, it, you know, you were promising to, to marry or there was something where you lost your husband. And in the Old Testament it said if you, if you lost your husband and you didn't have a child, you would marry your brother or your brother-in-law. You would just make that part of uh, so you can continue your legacy and heritage. And you would, you would trade your sandal or your shoe in importance to that. You know, when I was getting ready for this message, there's, there's one shoe that I could think about or one sandal that came to mind right away as was John the Baptist, right? John the Baptist said, look, I, uh, Jesus asked him to baptize him, and he said, I'm not even worthy to carry your sandal or your shoe. What was he saying? What he was really saying is, look, you're, you're the Messiah. You're, I am not worthy to even carry your shoe, let alone baptize you. And he was just telling, the shoe represented uh, not only the authority and the lordship that Jesus had, but it, it also represented the, the rights and the righteousness and everything Jesus was. And John the Baptist says, look, I'm not even close to touch that thing. Uh, you know, that's holy ground. And that's another story I think about, right, is Moses. And when he was speaking to God, he said, take off your shoes. Take off your shoes. And so I want you to see, in fact, I really only have two points. The first one being, uh, biblically, shoes represented rights in Israel. And I know we don't see that very much today in 2021, right? When we buy a car, I just did this last week, when you buy a vehicle, right, and you're buying it off of somebody, uh, you know, you go to the notary and, and you go and you sign the title. And the person that owned it previously, they signed away their rights on the title, right? They put their signature on there. And then you put your signature on there as you're accepting the rights of ownership of that vehicle. That's what we do today. If you have a house, you, it's called a, a deed, Right? But in the Old Testament days, they, they would use their sandals or shoes. That was your handshake. That was your character. That was your integrity. That was your promise. Or, or that was the way that you would lay down your rights. You would be giving up rights of whatever that situation, that home or that relationship or whatever it may be. So, so shoes had a significant part to play about your rights and how you would take them off or lay them down. And so today we're going to have some fun. I know it's 2021 and you might, wanna, might not want to be taking off your shoes. And, and so, but we're going to have some fun. If God is telling you, I want you to lay down this area of your life or lay down your rights in this area. Look, it's okay. Take off your shoes. Don't worry about the smell or the funk. We're on holy ground, right? Take off the shoe if you need to. And so we'll, we'll do that a little bit later. But let me show you biblically how shoes represented rights in Israel and how it represents rights today. You know, we may look at it a little bit differently today, but I want you to see how important when the father puts shoes on his son, uh, it really meant something, and I want you to see that. But first, let's talk about how it represented your rights. In Ruth chapter 4, verse 7, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. I'll give you some time to get there. But in Ruth chapter 4, this is a story about Boaz and Ruth, if you remember that relationship. And maybe you're new to the Bible and you don't know. Well, there was this, this, uh, this man named Boaz, and he had some stature and some authority in Israel. And, and uh, Ruth had just lost her husband. And, uh, you know, his hus her husband passed away. They didn't have kids. And so Ruth was living with her, uh, with her in-law. And, and all of a sudden, and they weren't very wealthy. And so they, uh, in Old Testament times, when you would, uh, when some of the uh, wealthier in Israel would grow 
crops in their fields, they would allow the poor to pick from the edges of their, of their fields. And so, uh, so Ruth one day was, was uh, going there and picking from those crops and saw Boaz and this connection happened and they had this uh, you know, attraction to one another, uh, but they couldn't marry one another because in Israel, because uh, Ruth had lost her husband uh, if she, and she didn't have kids, her legal right was to marry the brother of her husband. And it wasn't Boaz. Boaz was a little bit down the lineage. So uh, there's this, uh, there's this uh, aspect of law I won't go into today called the kinsman redeemer where Boaz could go to that relative and say, hey, I don't have the rights to marry this woman because you're next in line. You're the one that she should marry. Uh, but if you want to give up those rights, then uh, you could give up those rights and allow me to marry her, but you have to give up those rights. And so that's what you see in Romans chapter 4, verse 7, is that situation where Boaz goes to that relative and ask for uh, him to lay down his rights and to marry Ruth. And so you'll find that in verse 7. It says, now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming, listen to this word, redeeming and exchanging. This is what the shoe represents, that you're being redeemed and exchanged. Now, remember, parables talk about everyday stories with spiritual meaning. How many of you know Jesus has redeemed you and he's redeemed me, and he's exchanged with you. There's been an exchange where he took your sin, and he exchanged with you his righteousness. So again, there's all these different parallels and meanings and symbolism behind what you're reading today. Uh, but it says, redeeming exchanges to confirm anything. So the man took off his sandal and gave it to the other. Basically, what he's saying is, I'm, give, I'm laying down my right. I'm taking off my shoe. Boaz, you can marry Ruth. You can have Ruth as your wife. And so that's what was happening here. And this was the confirmation in Israel. So he had his sandal. He had, he, he, that relative had laid down the right, had given his sandal to, to Boaz and gave him the right to marry Ruth. And that happened in scripture. Now there's a lot of, uh, I hope you know that the Bible uh, is a, uh, you know, there, there's power. There's so many great things. The Bible's also fun. I don't know if you've ever read the Bible and just like, Laughed. You should, because God's got a sense of humor as well. And there's some great, funny things when you talk about shoes and sandals. In fact, one of the stories you're going to find in Deuteronomy 25, again, sandals representing your rights and my rights and how we need to lay down our rights. Well, this is another story. This is the law about, again, when you're, uh, when you're married and you lose your husband and you don't have kids and how you're to, to marry. So this is a situation where, uh, a different situation where uh, someone had lost their spouse and because they didn't have kids, he was just supposed to marry the brother. And so, uh, but the brother didn't want to marry the sister. So Again, this is a funny, God has a sense of humor. So let me read it first, and then we'll talk about it. Deuteronomy 25, verse 7, it says, But if the man does not want to take his brother's wife, then let his brother's wife go up to the gates of the elders and say, My husband's brother refuses to raise up a name to his brother in Israel. He will not perform the duty of my husband's brother. Then the elders of the city shall call him and speak to him. But if he stands firm and says, Look, I don't want to take her. I don't want to marry her. Then his brother's wife shall come to him in the presence of the elders, remove his sandal from his foot, spit in his face, and answer and say, so shall it be done to the man who built up his brother's house. Now listen to this. And his name shall be called in Israel. His name was totally changed. His name shall be called the house of him who his sandal removed. 
Now, God has a sense of humor, because think about this. This lady just lost her husband, wants a legacy, wants, wants to pass on the heritage of, of her family. And so the law says if her husband dies and they have no kids, that you're to go marry the brother. And so that's what happens. So she's doing what she's supposed to do. She's following the law. She's following the scriptures. And she goes to marry the brother. She says, hey, brother, we got to get married because I don't, have a, I don't have a son, and we need to pass on the legacy. And the, and the brother says, I don't want to marry you. Now, listen. I don't know, we have to look at both shoes on each foot, right? But think about it from the, from the wife's perspective. Look, I don't want to marry you either. That's why I married your brother. If I wanted to marry you, I chose your brother. But this is the law. I've got to marry you. He was much better looking than you were. I don't know. This is what I got to do. And, you ha- and if you don't want to marry me, then we need to go to the elders. I'm so thankful. We don't have elders meetings like this, by the way, elders. Yeah. People come and spit in each other's faces, sandals being given, all these things that, you know, so thankful it doesn't look like that anymore. But think, now put the shoe on the other foot, the husband. Oh, I don't want to marry you. You're mean. You're married to my brother. He passed away. You might have killed him. I don't know. Look, either way, the shoe on each foot, look, we don't know, but God has such a sense of humor. I think it's great. I think it's awesome. But the shoe represents what? Your rights. Laying down your rights. So much so that this is such an important aspect in Luke's gospel, which is where you find the story of the prodigals, by the way. In Luke's gospel, God, he says it this way. So shoes represent your rights. Here's what Luke says. Take up your cross. How often? Daily. Every day. Taking up your cross is symbolic of taking off your shoes that you lay down your rights daily. Now, it's important that we, we take off our shoe or we lay down our rights, obviously, when we receive Jesus. But look, that's not the only time you lay down your rights. We lay them down every day. And in our culture, that seems like a negative, doesn't it? Laying down your rights. No, you don't do that. I have rights. I have rights. And I stand on Look, I understand. This is countercultural. But let me just tell you, this was countercultural when Jesus spoke it as well. In fact, who's he speaking to? The Pharisees who are arguing with him. They're arguing with him. Their culture was not this hard either. Their culture, they were upset because they want to control things. Look, if you won't lay down your own life daily, if you won't pick up your cross or you won't take off your shoes every day, look, you're going to have a hard time following Jesus. In fact, the reality is, is you won't follow Jesus. This is what the prodigal son learned. He ran away from God. He walked away from God. And then as he walked away and as he made decisions that didn't, weren't his father's heart and wasn't what God's best interest for his own son, when he realized what he had done, when he realized that he was at rock bottom, and by the way, that's not God's desire that you hit rock bottom. We hit rock bottom because we continually push God away. We hit rock bottom because we allow the, the enemy to steal, to kill, and destroy And then when things get really bad in our lives, we realize what a blessing God really is to us. What a real, and look, he's he's been the same yesterday, tomorrow, and forever. So his heart hasn't changed, but yours has. And the prodigal son realized, I was blessed in my father's house. In fact, even here I am in front of a pig trough with no food, and that looks good to me. I realize that even my father's hired servants have it better than I do. And it was in that moment that he realized that I got to come back home. I need to come back home. And his perspective was, I'll just be like one of the hired servants. 
I messed this whole thing up. And let's be real, every single one of us can put ourselves in that scenario for the most part because we've all blown it. We've all fallen short of God. We've all probably rejected God. And maybe you grew up in a house where you, you've been following Jesus your whole life. But the reality is we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. And I love that this story on Luke 15 talks about both. The lost son and the older brother. Because they're both important to God. But what's being discussed, what's countercultural is, is that God's heart isn't for the lost. That God doesn't care about the lost. You know, this is so important to God that he clarifies. He speaks to the Pharisees in a lot of different ways. But continually throughout the scriptures, God says, you have to lay down your rights to receive the rights I want to give you. You're going to have to take off your shoes. Look, I know this isn't popular, but I want to be a person that's comfortable with saying, okay, God, I'm going to take off my shoes. I want to lay down my rights. I don't care that nobody else is doing it. All I care about is I want what you want. I want your heart. The world may not not think it's popular, but God, your heart is beautiful, and it's good, and it's generous, and it's loving, and it's kind. And I may have went away, but now I realize, I realize that your desire for me is better than anything I could muster up or come up or find or buy in myself. You know, Moses If you remember this story, and again, if you're new to the scriptures, there's a guy named Moses early in the scriptures, and he's enslaved to Egypt. Uh, He was a boy that was, you know, put in the creek at one time, and they found him and raised him, and he wasn't in his element. He wasn't in his home. He was kind of uh, like an adopted child in his family, but, uh, but things were being, his people were being treated awfully. And Moses did something about it, and there was a moment where he walked and he met God, in the middle of this place, there was this bush that was on fire, but not on fire, if that makes any sense. It doesn't, because we've never seen it, have we? But he saw this fire, and he knew that it was God, and God began to spoke to Moses in that moment, and he said, Moses, what did he say? He said, take off your shoes, because you're on holy ground. Listen, this is what Sundays should be every single moment, that we're, in, we're on holy ground. God is speaking to you and he's speaking to me. We're in his presence. We're in holy ground. And Moses took off his sandals. I don't know about you, but like John the Baptist, I'm not even worthy to carry his sandals. In my flesh and in your flesh, I'm not even worthy to be in the presence of a holy God. Even at my best day, It isn't even close to his righteousness. Even in my best day and your best day, we don't even come close to the purity of Christ and the heart of Christ. But Jesus says, look, if you want to receive from me, you've got to take off your shoes. You've got to lay down your rights, and then I'm able to redeem and exchange. I'm able to give you something that you don't have. I love these songs that we sing, right? There's nothing that God can't do, but in order to understand what God can do, you're going to have to lay down your rights. You're going to have to lay them down. And so Moses takes off his shoes. You know, there's another example of this found in Joshua, 
where Joshua's getting ready to go into Jericho. He's getting ready to march into Jericho, and he walks up on a, on a man with a sword. Now, remember, the promise from God was is that you're going to walk in and you're going to take this promised land. Well, they hadn't taken it yet. And the same man, Moses, that met God, if you remember, with the burning bush and took off his shoes and heard from God. And beautiful miracles, amazing things happened in that moment. But remember, Moses was walking through the desert for a long time. God did miracle after miracle, fed him from heaven, all these crazy things. But remember what God said, I can't take you into the promised land, you or this generation. A whole generation had to die off. Why? Because they wouldn't lay down their lives. Because instead of being thankful and grateful for the manna, they complained. Instead of being uh, content with where they are, they complained. They made a, a golden calf and a golden image. Instead of worshiping the one true God, they worship a golden calf. And God said, look, they just, they wouldn't lay down their lives. They wouldn't take their shoes off. And so God raised up Joshua, and he raised up a whole new generation. And Joshua is standing there in Jericho, and he sees this man, and here's what happens. It says in verse 13 of chapter 5 of Joshua, it says, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes. He looked, and behold, a man stood opposite of him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us? Or are you for our adversaries? Now listen to this. So he said, this man with the sword, he said, no. That's it. No. He didn't say I'm for you. He didn't say I'm for the adversary. He just said, no. But as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals, lay down your rights, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. He obeyed. Now, I don't know if you know this, but in the scriptures, Jesus came, right? He came as a man. But in the Old Testament, it's called a Christophany, where Jesus would appear at different times in the scriptures. If you remember, he wrestled with Jacob at one time. This is a moment where he appears to Joshua. And you may say, well, how do you know that it's Jesus? Well, read chapter 6, because Jesus says, the Lord said, you go into Jericho, you march around. He gave him the orders. The same man that held the sword, Jesus himself, gave Joshua, the orders to march around this city, and after so many days, you'd blow a trumpet and worship, and the walls would come falling down, and that's exactly what happened. This is exactly what happened. So you have a Christophany of Christ appearing to Joshua, saying, Joshua, take off your shoes. Lay down your rights. You're on holy ground. I love, I love, I love what Jesus said to Joshua. Whose side are you on? No. No. <laughs> What would you say in that moment? What do you mean, no? I'm not on your side, and I'm not on their side. You need to get on my side. You need to be on my team. The only way you're going to see these walls fall down is if you lay down your rights, and you receive what I'm about to say, and you'll see God do a miracle. You know, how many times have you or have I We've kept our shoes on and we're trying to hear God and God is asking us to lay down our pride or lay down this relationship or lay down this situation or, or to give him these things. And we're saying, God, are you on my side or are you on their side? And Jesus is saying, no. You need to be on my side. 
need to get on my team. I have something to say. Remember, take off your shoes. You're in holy ground. You're in the presence of the Lord. We need to hear his voice. We need to hear what he's saying. Listen, Joshua would have never conquered Jericho and all the other cities. You can read it in the scriptures. There's so many, so many conquering moments, miraculous moments, times where Joshua didn't even have to fight at all because God fought for him. No. It's because God said, listen to what I'm about to say and do exactly as I say. I'm so thankful, Joshua, and I, and I pray and I hope that you're in this place where you'll take off your shoes and say, God, I'm laying down my rights. I'm, I'm here. I'm listening. I'm ready to receive from you. So take off your shoes. Maybe today there's a situation where you just need to take off your shoes. Look, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's relational. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a kid. Maybe there's something going on in your life. You just need to lay it down. Lay down your rights and say, God, what are you saying? How do you see things? So biblically, your shoes represent your rights. Taking off your shoes represents you laying down your rights. Remember what Luke says. You, lay the, you take, pick up your cross daily. You take off your shoes daily. You look to Jesus daily. He's the Lord. My second point I want to share with you today is this. Uh, we put on the same shoes. We do. God gives you, he gave his son his shoes back. And he's going to give you your shoes back. So you get to put these things back on. Maybe. Hang with me. They're dress shoes. You get to put your shoes back on, but you have different rights. You see, the shoes always represented that we need a redeemer, that we need an exchange, that your rights, as valuable as you think they are, aren't the rights of heaven. Right? They're not God's rights. They're not God's truths. A lot of us, we think our opinion is higher than everyone else's. Our perspective. And I'm not saying that we don't grow and we get wise and we're able to share God's truths with people, but the reality is we have to die to ourselves. I love what Paul says. You must increase and I must decrease. I've got to learn to take off my shoes on a regular basis so I can receive from heaven. So you can increase and so I can decrease. It's so important that we're not only taking our shoes off, but we're receiving from God. And this is what the father was saying to the son. He's saying, hey, son, I'm putting your shoes back on. I'm restoring you to his son in this house in every aspect, in every way. I'm putting the robe on. You're now righteous. You're now in right standing with me. It doesn't matter what happened. Notice that the father didn't say, well, you can only be in right standing if you get these things right. Look, he accepted him right where he was. You're now in right standing. You now have the robe. You now have my approval, my seal. You have the ring. You're my son. You're part of this family. You're in right standing with me. And then he put his shoes on to say, listen, I'm giving you my rights. I'm giving you my righteousness. I'm giving you my blessing. I'm giving you my best, my grace, my goodness. It's all yours. So he redeems you and he exchanges. He takes what was broken and what was 
amass our flesh and our desires and our pleasures. He takes them, we lay them down, and he gives us something even better. His holiness, his righteousness, his truth, his grace, his goodness, his gentleness, his kindness. He gives us himself. And so now you have the same shoes but different rights. Because God has redeemed you and exchanged you. You ever wonder about that as a believer? Like we just did baptisms a few weeks ago. Like you're the same person. You die to yourself. You go under the water. You know, but you're your same you. It's not like he gives you a, a, a new, new person. There's a new life. There's a spiritually this new life. This is what the parable is saying. You're new, again, you're new again because you're receiving from God. You're hearing from the Lord. You have new rights. You have a new Lord. You have a new Savior. You know, Luke chapter 15, verse 25. I know uh, Andrew shared some of this with you guys, um, but let me just read this again in verse 25. This is, now, this is the older son, but I want you to see a lot of times as believers, this is what we do. And I want you to hear the correction from God. And if you need that correction, look, maybe you're going to have to take your shoes off this morning and lay them down and receive afresh from the Lord. But listen to what the older brother says. It's now his older brother was in the field, and he came, and he drew near to the house, and he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and because he's received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he, the older brother, was angry and would not go, and therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. I'm not going to go into that because Andrew t- talked about the importance of the word pleaded with you. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. That's a lie. You have to realize that the older son is manipulating and lying. And remember, these parables have a spiritual meaning. Who in this room has ever not sinned? That's what the son's saying. I have never sinned. I've never went against you. Lie. I'm sure the dad had a lot of different things that he's transgressed over the years. I've never transgressed. All have sinned. All have fallen short. All of us have. The son goes on and says, and you've never given me a young goat. Lie. How do we know that? Because in Luke 15, if you read the whole story, when the, when the younger son came and asked for his inheritance, what did the father do? He gave them both their inheritance. He gave the younger and the older brothers inheritance. And in Israel, the older or the oldest son or the firstborn got what? Double inheritance. He would get a double inheritance. I never got a young goat. You're right. You got two goats. You got a double inheritance. You got a double blessing. And so I just want you to see that, especially for us that have been following the Lord for a, for a while, when someone comes to Christ, when a lost son or daughter comes home and the father's throwing a party, don't get jealous. Don't get angry. Don't judge. Christians can be some of the most judgmental people on the planet. Look, we've got to take off our shoes. We've got to lay that down and say, God, what do you see? What is your heart? You know, in 2011, when uh, the Lord unified the church and, and Jen and I to come back and lead this church, 
Now remember, I, I got saved in this church. So 99, I got married. 98, 97, I started coming and hearing the scriptures for the first time. And many, many, some of you here in this room, but many families were pouring into Jen and I, investing in us, helping us. And I remember those relationships. I remember so much of what God was doing in us. You know, and at times, we were like the prodigals. We would hear it and be like, I'm not ready yet. We, we would run away. There would be things that we were just weren't ready for. But I remember Westridge and many families just sticking with us and praying for us and helping us and, and all of these things. And so uh, there came a time where uh, I laid down my rights and I gave my life to Jesus right here in this room, in this church. And there came a time where Jen laid down her rights and recommitted her faith to Jesus. And we'll always remember those years from, you know, 97 to 2006. That's where we really found the Lord. Eventually we came on staff as the youth pastors and worked here for many years. And many, many families just invested and believed and sacrificed and really helped us. And, you know, we, we made some crazy, crazy youth pastor decisions. I remember many moments sitting with Tom and having to explain, uh, P- Pastor Tom was the founding pastor of this church. And I remember even in this room, because our youth ministry was growing so fast, uh, we were meeting in the basement, and we grew out of the basement. And then we moved up here, and we would make a portable thing that we would set up every week and make this basically what we did over at Awaken. We'd make this our youth room. And I remember having to talk to Pastor Tom many times. Tom, look, we put a hole in the wall on Wednesday. I'm so sorry. Well, we broke this window. We put some wood on it. I'm sorry. I remember all of these things, and, and so and Tom would always be so great. Ah, it's okay. We can replace those things. Or sometimes he'd say, you know, you need to have some more boundaries and some, you know, some more rules and things like that. But I remember us just learning and growing and so many people investing in us over those years. And in 2006, God had called us to Texas, and we had left for seven years. And when we got called to come back in 2011, I remember coming back and, and expecting, I guess, to see a lot of those people that invested in us. And we came back, and, uh, you know, some things had happened. Look, we're not perfect. None of us are perfect. And the church had been through a really difficult time. And there had been some things that had been done that caused hurt and pain in those families that we knew and loved, and they left. When we left in 2006, the church was about 400, a little bit over 400. We had three different services. When we came back in 2011, one service, 50 to 60 people in service. It's not about numbers, but what it is about is those families that we knew and loved were gone. And I remember talking with the elders in 2011, and I'll be honest with you, when we came back, that we inherited a lot of debt. We inherited a lot of relational issues. We, we inherited really a lot of sheep that were limping around, bleeding and hurting. And I remember looking at that going and saying, look, I didn't do any of that. That wasn't my, I didn't hurt people. I didn't do that. So when we, when we talk about taking off the shoes, look, this is what your flesh does. Your flesh says, well, that's not my fault. And I honestly remember having these conversations with the Lord and with myself saying, look, I didn't do any of that. So how, do, how am I supposed to repair any of that? And then I remember spending some time on holy ground, talking with the Lord and really just putting on his shoes. And I said, God, well, what would you do? How am I supposed to lead through this? How am I supposed to mend and bring this all back together? Because these were people that we loved and we had a relationship with. And I remember God going, and I remember talking to the elders and telling them, like, and say, we're gonna take 12 months and just meet with as many families as we know that aren't here. I'm not asking them to come back to the church. I just want to go to them and say, I'm sorry. We're sorry. To reconcile, to make relationships right. 
And after countless, countless meetings and many meetings with these families, just going and reconciling, you wouldn't believe the peace and what God did. The church transformed in 12 months and a very, so many miracles happened in those first 12 months. And I believe it's because I put on his shoes and I said, God, what do you want me to do? Let me say it another way. Which one of your sins and my sins? Jesus is a savior. He never sinned. But did he look at you and go say, it's not my fault. I didn't do that. Or did he look at you and he looked at me and said, I'll pay for it. I'll take it. I'll take on your sin and I'll pay your price. And I'll exchange for your sin, my righteousness. I'll redeem you. You see, so many times through these parables, God's communicating his heart. He's telling the older son, listen, older son. Listen to what he says. Let me read the rest of it. He says, he went to the older son and pleaded with them. And verse 29 says, so he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I've served you. I never transgressed you. You never gave me a young goat that I make merry. But as soon as the son of yours came out, who has devoured the livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, the father, son, you're always with me. And all that I have is yours. You see, listen to me. Maybe you're the older son in this room. Maybe you're sitting here and saying, well, it's not fair. God's doing all this stuff. This, this lost son's come home and he's throwing a party. He's doing all these extravagant things for him. Listen, for years, God has always been with you. He's never relieved you. He's never forsaken you. And everything in heaven, everything that God has is yours. This is the beautiful part about this, this story and about you having God's rights. As believers, you've got to know. God doesn't love that lost son more than you. He's not showing favoritism to one over the other. In fact, he's given you everything. When you lay down your rights, God said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. You can ask anything in my name and a father will do it. Anything. Don't get mixed up on what the, the enemy's trying to deceive you. The enemy's trying to get you lost. He's trying to get you off the focus. He's trying to get you away from the Father's heart. Don't you forget all the benefits and blessings that the Father's given you. Don't you forget everything that you have, the grace and the goodness, the blessings. Don't forget all those things. Don't forget that you have a heavenly Father and a Holy Spirit that lives in you day in and day out. Because you know what? The lost son lost it. He walked away from it. And I'm so thankful he's back. And a father's heart is always to celebrate that sinner that returns or that lost son that comes home. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't love the 99. Think about all these three parables in Luke chapter 15. Jesus gave three of them. And by the way, he's speaking to a Pharisees that's trying to control the situation. The Pharisees are trying to get trap God. And the Pharisees are trying to tell God that he's wrong. But every single parable says the same thing. The lost sheep, right? The lost sheep. I'll leave the 99 and go get the one. And when I find the one, I'll bring him back. I'll carry him back on my shoulders and we'll throw a party. Does that mean he doesn't love the 99? Absolutely not. 
The 91 are protected. They're blessed. He's providing for them. He provides for them every day. He's a Jehovah Jireh. He heals them. He's there to help them and bless them every single day. How about the lost coin? You have coins and you lose one. And you tear the place apart to find it. And when you find it, you call everybody and you throw a party. And then there's the lost son. Now, what's the difference between those three parables? First of all, it's all the same. The father's heart is always the same. Today, tomorrow, forever, whenever a lost one comes home, he will throw a party. And if that's you today, that's true for you. If you're coming back to God, you've been lost, you've been running. If you come back to God and you lay down your rights, you receive him as Lord, he's going to throw a party for you. And for those of you that have been serving God and hanging in there, look, don't be disappointed. God will always be there for you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Don't forget about the rights. That's what Psalm 103 says. Don't forget about the benefits daily that the God blesses on you, that he throws on you, that your healing and your provision and, and your, your blessing, everything that God does for you. He loves you every single moment of every single day. Don't get jealous because the lost ones come home and God's thrown a party. Don't you remember you came home one time too? Don't you remember when you laid down your rights and you received Jesus too? He threw a party for you too. Don't let the enemy deceive you. In fact, this morning, I just want to kind of close with this perspective. Maybe you're here today and you're watching online and look, maybe you're saved. Maybe you came home and God threw you a party but maybe you're like this older son. You've just been a so judgmental, so opinionated. The only problem with this is for us as followers of Christ and as believers is, is that when it's our opinion, when it's our flesh, when it's our desires, when it's our pleasures, that's when we hurt people. And by the way, I'm not telling you, I have a flesh too. I have pleasures too, and I have a desire too. That's why Luke said, every day you've got to lay this thing down. Every day your flesh, Paul says, every day your flesh wants to go that way, and the spirit wants you to go this way. Every day you lay it down and say, God, what is it you want? What is your desire? Remember, Jesus said, no, I'm not on that team, and I'm not on that team. I want you on my team. Putting on the rights of heaven means we live differently. Putting on the rights as a son and daughter of God means we've got to ask God, God, how do you see things? What do you see in this relationship? What do you see in this job? What do you see in this marriage? What do you see in my kids? What do you see in me? And I promise you as followers of Christ, every day we're going to have to lay our will down, our desires down, our pleasures down. But let me just tell you, it's a good thing. I don't care what the culture says. To lay down your rights, the culture say, well, that's a terrible thing. No, it isn't. It's the most beautiful thing on the planet when you can hear your heavenly father saying, this is my best for you, John. This is my best for you. This is the lane I want you to stay in. And as a follower, I want you to be okay with saying, God, I'll lay down my rights all day long for heaven to come to earth for me. And so this morning as we close in worship, as Pastor Todd and the team leads us, 
Maybe you need to take off your shoes. Maybe you need to lay something down. I don't know what it is. It doesn't really matter. But I want you symbolically. Look, there's nothing special about the shoe. What's special is saying, God, I'm, I'm laying down my rights. I'm on holy ground. And there's a situation in my life, much like the prodigal, that I need the Father's input. I need your wisdom. I need your insight. I need your blessing. I need your robe. I need your ring. I need your shoes. And Father, I don't see like you do. I don't understand like you do. But I'm so thankful I have a relationship with you and I can come to you and I can ask you. And you're always with me. You're leading me to truth constantly. So today, if you need to lay something down, just simply during this song, just slip your shoe off. Look, don't worry about other people. You may feel like this is silly, but this is the reality of the parable. This is something simple that we can understand that points to something spiritual in our hearts. It says, look, I need to lay this down. I need to lay it down. So if you want to do that today, just during the song, I want you to do that. And then I want you to engage with God. Ask him that question, God, how do you see the situation? How do you see this circumstance, this job or this marriage or whatever you're going through? Look, I don't know. Please hear me, I don't know. But your father knows. He knows. The father of the story, the father of your life, your Lord and Savior Jesus, the Father of heaven and the Holy Spirit, they know. And they're here to help you. Would you stand to your feet? I just want to pray pray for you and with you. Lord, I just thank you for every person here. Lord, thank you for the truth that shoes represent our rights. And God, we certainly want to lay down our rights before you. The rights of heaven, the rights of sonship, the rights of relationship with you far, far exceed anything we could find in this world. Anything we could find in our own selves. Lord, save us from ourselves. Save us from our own pleasures and desires. Help us see heaven. Help us see your desire which is always to bless, always to help. It's always good. You are a good Father. We just thank you for what you're about to do. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Convict us. Bless us. Encourage us. Whatever it is we need today, Holy Spirit, you speak to every person inside of this room or watching this feed. We want your will to be done. Your will to be done. Right here, right now. In Jesus' name, everyone said